Here we go. Episode 19 of the Hardline Sports Talk. Take two for us. Oh, yeah. As we had a little technical difficulties. But, JM, it's a late Tuesday night. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. Never too late to talk some sports. Never too late at all. Lots to get to. Lots happening tonight. And there's just so many topics. I just said it to you. We're going to be here. We can be here for hours if we really wanted to. Really. This is going to be a really late night. We do want to start with baseball. We have a list later on which is our top five favorite sports movies. A little out of the box there. Not related to anything we're really talking to. Just, you know, trying to have some fun with it. We do want to start with the Yankees, though. And they're the main topic, I think, in baseball, especially in New York. They are, you know, dominating sports talk radio everywhere. So let's get with let's get to them. And it's been very interesting because we haven't seen this from a Yankee team I think since we've started watching baseball we haven't seen a Yankee team be this disappointing this you know poorly run they don't they've never played this bad and it's strange because we think of the Yankees as winners we think of the Yankee way as being you know championship or bust you know playoffs definitely are bust and we're not seeing that right now no you're not seeing it at all you're seeing a very uh unfundamentally sound baseball team uh the 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 management hasn't been great the coaching hasn't been great everything up and down has been in a way dysfunctional so yeah like you said this team has obviously been extremely disappointing um i think we all expected them to see them right up there with uh the world series contenders this year and it's just not happening. Right now, they're sitting in fourth place in the division. They just got swept by their biggest rival, the Red Sox. They're 0-6 against them this year. Things are not looking good. And um, clock's ticking, and trade deadline's coming up, and Yankees got to make a decision. Are, are they all? Are, are they going to buy all in, or are they going to sell? We'll see. You had just brought up, a um, before we started, points by Brian Cashman, who spoke to the media today. He had basically said, we suck right now. He had said... Somebody had asked him whether or not they would be sellers of the deadline, and he had said we'd have to really be out of it. And he didn't he didn't give a specific you know win percentage or record, how many games below 500 they would have to be to start selling. But we've been talking all day about potential trades, what this team could possibly do. Are they sellers? And they win tonight. They beat the Angels. It was 11-5. Yes. Beat the Angels 11-5. Scored some runs. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there is a lot wrong with this team. Yeah, with this team, it's always it's always one step forward, two steps back. You know, the, uh, tonight is, oh, do, is the Yankees' offense back? Is, are the Yankees back? And then they'll go out and they'll get swept or they'll have an embarrassing game. Um, just like how the Yankees, they were just on a 7-2 and two stretch. They swept the Blue Jays on the road. They beat a good uh, athletics team in a three-game set. Two out of three, they beat them. And... Um, Who's the team they played before the Red Sox? Why am I drawing a blank right now? Oh, my God. I don't know. Whatever. Well, it's not important. Whatever. They t- oh, the Kansas City Royals. They took they, they took three out of four or two out of three from the two Kansas City Royals. But that was a disappointing and, series, too, because yeah, they should have won. They should have. You're they right. They should have swept that series. But, you know, they had a nice little stretch there. They went 7-2. and two, And then you go on the road in an extremely important series, and you not only get swept and, you know, lose every game, obviously, but you get embarrassed. I mean, none of the games were even close. So, things are not good. The, the way, you know, the offseason was, some of the trades recently that have been made, some of the roster moves, there's a lot. Of, listen, I got a whole shopping list right now of beefs with this team. I got about 10 bullet points, and it really could be 20, 30 if I, if I wanted to. But uh, I don't want to sit here all day and, and talk about the problems with this team, but it's, it's just not good, man. They got way too many problems right now. Uh, there was a quote last night. From Aaron Boone, the manager, the compete and the intent and the focus of the guys today was excellent. I'll tell you that. That was after the Yankees' 5-3 loss in which they were in the game. They made a couple of mistakes. Couple of, They didn't look good defensively. The bullpen kind of shut down, and they, they lost. They got beat. And that is the manager of the New York Yankees saying they competed, they were focused, and... That's his answer after a yeah, loss? Yeah, I mean, that quote is just absolutely brutal. When I first heard that, I almost punched a hole in the desk. Um, you know, if you want to make that quote, that sounds like a quote from, you know, a team that's that's projected to win 60 games. And, you know, they're, 
they're not playing well, but, you know, the coach says, I like what I saw out there, some progress, you know, we were competing well. That That's from a poverty team, a team that's rebuilding, a team that's going to finish last in their division. That doesn't come from a World Series contending team, which is what they're supposed to be, but obviously they're not. Um, what do you mean? You tried harder? The guys showed up 10 minutes earlier for batting practice, or they, they were more honed in on the game? There was less conversation in the dugout? I mean, give me a break now. You're, you're there to play baseball. You, you should be focused every night. That's not a, a quote that should be coming from a team that's supposed to be winning this division and possibly representing the American League in the World Series. I don't think the play on the field is necessarily has to do with Aaron Boone. I think Aaron Boone is dealing with what he has to deal with from what Brian Cashman and the rest of this organization built the team. Right. So I don't want to put all the performance on him, but the way he answers questions and the way he coddles and treats his players, you know, wraps them up in bubble wrap and just doesn't let them face the real world. A helicopter parent, basically. Yeah. I I don't like that. And that's why I don't like Aaron. You know, that's a really good point. And that's what, that's what Joe Girardi and Joe Torrey were good at. They weren't, listen, Joe Torrey, you ask any Yankee fan or any just baseball fan in general, was he the best manager in terms of managing the team in game situations? No, he wasn't the best, but he wasn't bad. But he wasn't, you know, one of the best, one of the most, the geniuses of the game. But he was really good at handling the media, really good at handling his players, keeping the locker room in check, everything. I just don't see that out of Aaron Boone. I understand, you know, I'm sure he 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 seems like he gets along great with the players. That's good. But you're a manager, you know, you're from coming from a power standpoint, and it seems like he he can't. Hit, the way he handles the media, and it doesn't seem like he's lighting a fire under these guys. I mean, everybody, with the exception of Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and Gio Urshela, everybody's having a down year. Glaber Torres looks like he's not even an MLB player right now. The guy's slugging 310. He hasn't had an RBI in his last 17 games. You know, uh, Brett Gardner, which we already, you know, criticize that move the guy is batting five, uh, has a 599 OPS Clint Frazier isn't an MLB caliber player Aaron Hicks was terrible before he got hurt so a lot of not good man a lot of not good and, and the way this team has been built they haven't been built well to win this division and they haven't been built well to just be a team that can do a lot of different things in the first place yeah you kind of just touched on my next point in that We've brought up Brian Cashman a couple of times now. The blame's got to go on him. I think he's gone. I, I really do. I think if they do not make the playoffs, he's done, and I think deservedly so. I was not a guy that would have fired him. If you asked me two weeks ago, I, I would have said no. I, I keep Brian. I think he's my boy Brian. I call, we're on a first-name basis. He He's done enough you know, over the years to kind of solidify himself, to get through the bad stuff. But I don't, I don't think he earns that anymore. This team is so poorly constructed, like you said. You know, you want to get into it. I know you're going to get into it right here. You know, the Tampa Bay race. Right. They have, how many right-handed flamethrowers yeah. do they have in that bullpen? This lineup is completely, you know, right-handed. Right-handed, right-handed power hitters, and like you said, there's fireball, fireball throwing right-handers in the Rays bullpen. And you look at the Red Sox. You traded away. Adam Adovino to them to stay under the luxury tax. Like, you just dumped Adam Adovino on them like it was nothing. And Adam Adovino is literally their closer right now, and he's been really good for them. And the only problem with Adam Adovino, he can't get left-handed hitters out. He's really good at getting right-handed hitters out, but he can't get left-handers out. But guess what? The Yankees don't have a single left-handed bat that is a competitive hitter. Brett Gardner is their best left-handed bat. So... Then you look at include you know you, they also uh, the Red Sox took Garrett Whitlock from them, a guy who was a back of the bullpen kind of guy. The Yankees were deciding between keeping him or Nick Nelson, and they decided to kick, keep Nick Nelson. The Red Sox took Whitlock in the Rule Five draft, and right now Whitlock through about thirty innings has a one four two ERA great. in the Red Sox bullpen. Nasty. So another bad move. You look at the Rude Neto door trade. I really have a problem with this because I just don't understand. They needed infield depth, and I understand in a perfect world, you know, that things don't happen in a vacuum. The Yankees don't just have pickings where they could take anybody from any team. But you needed infield depth, and the guy you decided to roll with was a left-handed bat, which makes sense. You need a left-handed bat, but a guy who's a career 
low 200s hitter and is an all or nothing home run hitter doesn't really have that high of a slugging percentage because he he doesn't hit for doubles and triples he only hits for singles and home runs and he doesn't get hits often so that's not what your team needed at all and you decided to get him and I think just the the assessment of the roster has just been poor they they, they don't do a lot of things you know they don't they don't have they're not, as a team they're not a Swiss Army knife at all they're not fast they don't run the base as well their defense is mediocre at best so so what what do they what do they give you not, not much they they don't give you much they're not, they're not a fun watch not at all they're almost unwatchable I think uh, something that is very interesting here is the player development in the I past agree. few years. Look at Andujar, look at Torres, look at Frazier. These are three guys that were massive prospects on this team, and I'm not even talking about the pitching yet, yep. in which they haven't produced a front-line starter. And They don't sense. even trust Davey Garcia to be on the Major League roster. Right now. Well, they shouldn't. He has a 10 ERA in AAA right yep. now. They shouldn't trust him. When's the last time they developed a front-line starter? Luis, it, Luis Severino. Okay, there yeah, you go. That's and, even, and even that. Yeah. That's a little... Mm-hmm. Up, that's, and, that's a question And you know, you know the thing I don't understand... Maybe they're... I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe their minor league player development is better than the major league because these guys come in, come from the minors and they look like they're ready to play. Gary Sanchez almost probably should have won the rookie of the year. Then you have... Then get what happens. Gary, all of a sudden, decla- he's having a good year now, but has some, a couple years where he looks abysmal. That's in the, in the hundreds, not even the 200s. Luis Severino... Comes up into the majors, has a low two ZRA, finishes third in the AL Cy Young voting. Then he kind of uh, he's had injury problems, but that was the best year of his career. Um, Glaber Torres set the world on fire. He's hitting 38 home runs as a 23 year old. Now he he's got a 3.10 OPS, like I mean 3.10 slugging. Like I said, he's hit three home runs. He's hit seven home runs in the past about 100 something games. Miguel Andujar almost wins Rookie of the Year, 27 homers. That was the best year of his career. Hasn't even come close to that yet. So, I don't know what it is. These guys come up, they look like they're ready to play, and they don't progress well over their careers. We were talking about Glaber Torres being better than Aaron Judge in progressing in his career. Yeah. I remember I just saw something from 2018, and it was right before the Mets had gave, gave Jacob deGrom a contract extension, and they were asking fans and they were asking analysts on Fox, would you do deGrom for Glaber straight up? And it was in the middle of DeGrom's um, first Cy Young year. He was phenomenal that year. And a lot of people said no. I said no. You, I said no. I don't, I don't want to trade. Yeah, because Glaber Torres looked like the next Alex Rodriguez at one point. Yeah. It's unbelievable the decline a here. A 22-year-old shortstop who's hitting 38 home runs. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I think I was on the record saying I wouldn't have done it. I Now, I have a question for you. And we kind of spoke about it before. And you brought up the point. Would you consider, let's just say this season, you know, keeps on its track where they don't look very good, they miss out on the playoffs, they're a 500-ball club, would you consider trading a guy like Aaron Judge? Listen, I think you should consider everything. Um, So, yeah, I would consider it. Do I think they should do it? No, just because Aaron Judge is obviously the best player on the team, and I think this window for the Yankees, they can't go into a full rebuild. Because it really doesn't make any sense. Because if they went to a full rebuild, and let's say four years later is where, where you're, you know, trying to be a, a World Series contender again. Garrett Cole's in his in his thirties now. Aaron Judge is in his thirties now. It, that that doesn't really fit into the window. John Carl Stanton's in his thirties, you know, mid, probably mid thirties by that point. DJ LeMayhew's, you know, almost done with his deal. That doesn't really uh, add up. So I think they need a retool. So no, I don't think they should trade Judge. Um. But like I said, I think you should consider everything. I think somebody needs to go. I think, like I said, this lineup is built way too similar. My problem, the John Carlos Stanton thing just just irks me the wrong. And I love Stanton. I think he, I got nothing against the guy. He's a great player um, when he can stay on the field. Good guy. Just really exciting guy to watch. The way this whole thing is, they've turned him into, into, Something he shouldn't be. Yeah, he was, Nelson Cruz. He won. He won the MVP with the Miami Marlins. Hit 59 home runs while being an everyday left fielder, and and a, and a pretty good one. Not nothing, you know. Not not a Gold Glove, but not below average. 
And you bring him to New York, he's had some injury problems. And now he's a guy who's making $24 million a year to clog up a DH spot. I mean, they were working him out in left field earlier in the year and saying they were going to get him out there. Still haven't seen it. The thing, Listen, the thing I don't understand with this whole DH thing, I think it's worse. I mean, you do anything. Um, you go to the gym, right, and you work out. If you take a 10-minute break because you got to you know, go to the bathroom or you get caught up in a conversation or whatever, that next set, you, you feel a little, you know, a more little so- staleness, yeah. a little more sore, a little more locked up. Absolutely. It's the same thing, man. It, it, you, you know, we played football. We're doing drills. We sit down on the bench at practice, take a couple sips of water, we and then we get back up. Stuff. And you're yeah, your, your legs, legs, legs Exactly. So you're telling this guy, oh, we're going to rest him. You know, we don't want to put him out in the outfield. So I need you to sit down in the dugout for an hour, then get up to hit and sprint to first base or sprint, you know, to second or whatever and run the bases. I think you're right. I think it, it's it doing just, the opposite. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. I think it is doing the opposite. I don't. It's not keeping his legs fresh. Just wanted to mention this. We have a few questions and a voicemail for tonight. We had just answered one of our buddies' questions, Kenny Galvin. He asked us, should the Yankees trade Aaron Judge? I think they should consider it. I don't think they should end up pulling the trigger unless they get a haul for him. Yeah. You'd have to get a massive, massive yeah. package back in which, yeah, you probably retool a little bit for the future, but you also get MLB ready players right. to go. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll trade them. I probably wouldn't, but I would definitely look into it. That's how I feel. I don't, I think there are very few guys in which you shouldn't look to trade. them. Listen, I don't think, listen, obviously what's going on right now isn't good. I don't think it's that bad of a situation where you need to trade judge. Cause I think the difference between this, people keep comparing it to the 2016 when they did that retool and they traded Andrew Miller and Beltron and uh, Chapman and all those guys. This team has more major league talent than they did at that time. You still got guys like Gio Urshela and Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole. You have you know guys who are going to be good for a, a decent you know amount of time. Um, so that's why I don't think they should trade Judge because I don't. We got. Well, you also got to remember that twenty that twenty sixteen team. We weren't expecting them to be. You know, when that happened, we weren't expecting the Yankees to be good for a couple of years. That twenty seventeen team, when they went to the ALCS, that was a surprise. We didn't think they were going to win ninety two games and make it that far. So yeah, well, like I said, they should consider anything, but I don't think they should necessarily trade him. Um, but I just want to go back to a quick point where you were talking about their player development. Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez especially Glaber as of right now, has not lived up to what we thought he was going to be. The thing I do not understand is, okay, you come up, you have a good rookie season, you're on a good you know, path to develop, and maybe you have a down year or a couple down years. Why do the down years need to be down years, catastrophically <laughs> down years. I mean, Gary Sanchez is batting 170 in his down years. Glaber Torres right now, like I said, as a th- uh, I keep freaking repeating this because I can't understand that it's even going on in the first place. A 310 slugging and 17 RBI, uh, 17 games without an RBI. Why do the lows have to be so freaking low? I I just don't get it. Yeah. Um. I'm on Twitter right now, and we're going to get to them, obviously, in a little bit. Giannis Antetokounmpo left the game today with a hyperextended knee, and there are conflicting reports that they fear that he tore his ACL. Oh, boy. Let's hope not. So we're going to get to that in a little bit, but I just saw that very quickly. Yeah, I mean, the way that they've – the pitching, to me, is the biggest thing. The way – the inability to produce pitching is – Unbelievable, mm-hmm. and, and it's the, not easy. And no, the way they built the rotation is poor. And it and I was so against the way they built the rotation, and I almost looked like an idiot in the first couple of months of the right. season because they were pitching very well. Kluber was healthy, and, and Cole was Herman on. looked great. Herman looked great, and I looked like an idiot. But I end up looking right here because it isn't a good rotation. Right. It's, it's not good enough. Jamison Tyon should not be in the major leagues, in my opinion. The guy had many problems between, the, obviously, the cancer and the injuries. 
Nothing, uh, again, nothing, not his fault, obviously, but I think he should be in the minors. You know, he hasn't pitched in a year and a half or whatever it is. You sh- he should be developing more and getting his control. He's got a five-something ERA right now. And then, yeah, Cl- Corey Kluber, come on, man. You can't you can't be expecting to be a World Series team, and you got a guy who's just supposed to be your number two starter, and he's thrown 35 innings in the last two years. He's he's a number three at best, maybe, I think, a four starter in a, you know, solid contending, you know, World Series contending rotation, and, and they had him at the two. So it made no sense to me. Jordan Montgomery, up and down. Same thing with Hermani. They're, they're all back-end guys, and they had him in wrong positions, and that is really crazy. Devi Garcia, a guy that we thought that could make an impact on this team, I doubt you'll see him. Yeah. You're not going to see him. And and they they haven't been over the years willing to make that trade at the deadline for a frontline starter. Estevan Florial still in this system. Yeah. Miguel Andujar, yeah. who's been up and down AAA for Miguel, the past Miguel, they didn't years. even have a spot for Andujar, and they wanted to hold on to him. Same thing with Clint Frazier. And Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier never had a spot to get an opportunity. Why are we, why were we hoarding these prospects and holding on to them? Makes no sense. And Flor, what's Florial doing? Not, they, they, know, they're doing he, the same thing they did. He's blocked by Brett Gardner. They're doing the same thing they did. See, that's the thing though. This team needs a change, a quick, a quick change, something to just light a fire yeah. under somebody. You dead. have Trey Ambergy and um, oh, what the hell's the guy? Hoy Jun Park or something yeah. like that. Lighting up AAA right now. Bring them up. And Brian Cashman said, oh, uh, we don't really see a spot for those guys right now. What do you mean you don't see a spot for them? Send Clint Frazier down. Send Tyler Wade down. Send somebody down. Make a spot for them. Bench Brett Gardner. You have to make a change. And you need to also enforce some sort of like, hey, guess what? Not everybody's job is safe here. You don't produce as a major leaguer? Well, guess what? We'll send you down to the minor leagues. Obviously, you can't send freaking, you know, uh, Aaron... You're not going to send Aaron Judge down. But you can't send uh, John Carlos Stanton down, obviously. But I'm talking these other guys. These younger guys that have options. Does Frazier have options left? I, 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 I mean, don't think he does. I don't I think know. that's why. So Frazier shouldn't even be on this team right now. They should, you know, they should be. I'm sure they are using his name in the trade market right now. But make some room. Find a way to make room. I don't know. They definitely have some sort of options. Tyler Wade probably has an option left. DFA somebody. Tell Brett Gardner, hey, sorry, man. You listen, you've been here for a while, but... Give him a day on Sunday gonna, and yeah, that's it. You're going to have to retire. Do what you did with A-Rod. Say, yeah. you don't, there's not a spot for you on this team right now, and we don't want to embarrass you, so retire on Friday. We'll give you a ceremony. The Yankees will continue this series with the... We're good, right? We're good with the Yankees. You got enough off your chest here? Um, Anything I else? just want to make like a point or two more. Oh, wow. Okay. The whole luxury tax thing. I think this is getting a little overblown where people are acting like the Yankees, all their problems would go away if they just went over it's the luxury so tax. not true. That's just, like, not a correct narrative. Now, do I think it would help a little if they, uh, like, the Michael Brantley, that would have been a great signing. That's something you go over the luxury tax for. That is exactly what they needed. A guy who pr- provides some, some different skills, right? Good contact hitter, consistent. Lefty. Left-handed bat. They didn't do that. Um... I think the Marcus Semyon thing is a little different it's because so tricky. you would have had to um, kind of get a little flexible with your with your defense, and obviously that can't happen because you can't put Luke Voigt at DH because guess what they've made John Carlos Stanton uh, full time DH. Yeah, the guy can't move his legs. Hold on one second. The we we joke about all the time the short porch in right field. It's three hundred fourteen feet. It is, as much as we want to joke about it, it is an advantage to left-handed batters. It yeah. just is. And if you could go the opposite way, it's really nice. The fact that they don't have a left-handed power hitter on this team is a and we spoke about it before, is a joke. Yeah. A guy like Kyle Schwarber yeah. would have been perfect for this team, and nobody wanted him, and he signed for cheap. Right. The Nationals were the only team that went after him, he said. He would have been perfect, right. and you would have to DH him because he's terrible in the outfield. But again, right. like we just said, there's no flexibility. Stanton is the full-time DH. Right. Listen, Kyle Schwarber, obviously nobody would, was going to expect him to do what he's doing right now, so we're not going to rip them for that. But still, like you said, you needed a guy like that. You know what? We didn't get Kyle Schwarber. We didn't get whoever left-handed. We didn't get Michael Brantley. We didn't get, uh, I'm not going to say Bryce Harper because that wouldn't have made any sense, you know, a couple years ago. We got Jay Bruce. That's what we got. Jay Bruce, the guy who was literally just retired because he sucked so much. That's what we got. 
The guy, oh, his swing's going to play well at Yankee Stadium. Jay Bruce, that's what we got. Don't, I don't want any Jay Bruce slander. I'm, I'm not here for any Jay Bruce. All-time Met. Great yeah. Met. And, okay, last point. Um, This whole rest days thing, please just stop it. You're not making the playoffs now. Try something new. I don't care if somebody gets hurt. You, you need to do something now. Gary Sanchez should not be resting every time Garrett Cole pitches. I understand that um, you probably rest your catcher every five days, so it makes sense. But locking that in, the Yankees have a day game on Thursday. That's a day game after a night game. They'll probably bench Gary for that. But guess what? Friday, Garrett Cole's pitching. If I see Gary Sanchez out of the lineup two days in a row, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ballistic. The yeah. guy's still raking. He had a home run today and an RBI double. No, absolutely. You you do sit him in the day game. Yeah. I completely understand that. Nobody plays their catcher then. Right. But Friday night he should be in the lineup against the Mets, hundred percent. And we'll we'll see what happens. I honestly don't think they will play him on Friday night. Rest Stanton then. If you're gonna de- if you're gonna take Gary out of the catcher. Rest Stanton. Have <laughs> Gary DH that day. I'm serious. Or put Stanton in left field. They, For the I, love of God. I heard Aaron Boone say they are working and getting him ready to be in left field when they play Miami sometime in July. Aaron Boone says a lot of things and it just doesn't happen. Did he also say, oh, we like the way Stanton competed today? <laughs> I really, seriously, some of the quotes that Aaron Boone gives us is just like, oh my God, that is brutal. He He's not... You would think a guy that was so good, he was you know a good analyst with ESPN. He knows the media well. You would think he would be better with handling the press conferences and answering questions. You really would think so. And he's just not. He's just not. So let's move off of the Yankees here because I think we just did a half hour with the Yankees. Mm-hmm, basically. Um, we had answered one question, the Aaron Judge question, whether he should get traded or not. Let's move on to the New York Mets who won a big-time game tonight in Atlanta, 4-3. to They come from behind, 3-0, after Tyler McGill, who made his Major League debut last Wednesday from, he's got called up straight up from AA. And he looked pretty good in his debut, gave up a couple of runs. Today looked really good through four and two-thirds, and then gave up a three-run shot to Ozzy Albies. But that was it. You know, he, he, he looks like a really good player, a good pitcher. Um, he's young, he's gutsy, he's got ice in his veins, according to his manager, Luis Rojas, and, you know, it's, listen, another arm is obviously helpful, the Mets have played a lot of games, um, they played 33 games in 31 days, so another healthy arm is always good, and they, they needed this one tonight after a stinker against the Nationals yeah. last night. They came back, right? Tonight? Tonight, yeah. They came back. Uh, James McCann had a game-tying three-run shot in the seventh, and then Francisco Lindor drove in the game-winning run. A couple of plays after that in the seventh. Right. So. Yeah, the, this mess team, they need, to, they need to keep getting healthy, um, and the bats need to obviously wake up. They're last in the league in OPS. It just hasn't been good for them, and we're seeing that they're – luck in terms of getting by with the, the the players they have and the performance they have offensively it's it's not going to last over 162 game season as their uh lead in the division is shrinking but you know the nationals are knocking on the door right now they're on fire getting you know on Kyle Schwarber's back 16 home runs in the last 18 days yeah. he had another one Tuesday yep. night yep. unbelievable also Rich Hill a lefty first pitch crushed it into right field um, but yeah, I mean, the Mets, the pitching's been great. Is it, do we expect Jacob DeGrom to finish the year with a sub one ERA? I mean, we probably wouldn't be surprised because the guy's amazing, but going back to baseball history and the way the game works and the way you could get two bloops and a three run homer, probably not. He's going to, he's definitely going to lead the national league in ERA, but you know, we don't expect these guys to keep pitching the way they are. You expect a slight dip in their performance. So that's where the hitting needs to come into play. The hitting needs to step up, at least be an average offense. They they're averaging three point five runs per game. It's the worst in baseball. Yeah. It's been brutal to watch at times. Last uh against the Nationals on Monday night, they had let up they went down five nothing. 
They made it 5-4 in the eighth. They gave up a three-run shot in the eight, bottom of the eighth. It was just a frustrating game to watch. They lose. Kyle Schwarber hit two more home runs against them. In his last three games, Kyle Schwarber has seven home runs. He had a t- about a 10 at-bat stretch in which he hit seven home runs. Against the Mets. Against yeah. the Mets. It was unbelievable what he was doing to that team. Thank God they're out of Washington and don't see them again until August. Right. But uh, hopefully he is not, you know, still unconscious. Yeah. Uh, that would be his pretty historic, even though this is already historic. But, yeah, gonna happen, honestly. the Mets need to uh, get the bats going. They're going to get Brandon Immo back hopefully this week getting against the Yankees. J.D. Davis, Jonathan VR are going to start – Rehab assignments Wednesday and Thursday. They're getting Jerry Samelia back already. He's on the IL. Ten days, that's it. The pitching has been phenomenal. I, I expect it to still be good. Obviously, they're not going to pitch at the rate at which they are right now, but it's still going to be really good. Right. The bullpen has been great. J- uh, Edwin Diaz in save situations has a .47 ERA. Yeah, and he's, he's been fantastic. One blown save which has been huge. Seth Lugo, the Swiss Army knife in the bullpen has been good. They, they need to continue that. If they do, they got a good rotation, a good bullpen. It's just they, they got to start yeah. hitting. I mean, all fingers we can point at Lindor when we talk about this offense, but I'm going to go with a different guy here. I think when we talk about, about an X factor for this offense, it's someone that really needs to step it up. I'm going to go with Michael Conforto. I mean, you're you're he's had injury problems, but when he's on the field, he hasn't really been producing well. It probably has to do with his injuries. Maybe he hasn't felt right, but he's in a contract year. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. He's going to want to get paid. You're going to be the top outfielder probably you were projected to be. So it's time for Michael Conforto to step up. I mean, I know he's been a bit of a streaky hitter over his career, but he's always been a well-respected one and a guy who's going to give you an 800 to 900 OPS. He's that good of a hitter, and he's just not producing right now. I mean, he's batting 219. He's got a, a 320 slugging. That's just not going to cut it. An OPS plus of 92, uh, which is below league average. So I'm I'm going to say it's obviously it's not all on him. Uh, Pete Alonso hasn't been what we would have expected him to be, and obviously Lindor hasn't been close to what we thought he was going to be. But I, I want to see Conforto, you know, producing more and having having better at bats. And yeah, I think it I think it starts with him. I really I really do. Conforto's got to be better. He hasn't really. I think he's missed half the year. Right. But let's let's put let's point fingers. I'm not going to point fingers at Lindor. He's been good this month. As of June 23rd, I think June 23rd, June 24th, he was batting 257 with 21 hits. Five homers, 13 RBIs, and 837 OPS. That was in June. He's been better. There's no doubt about it. He's been a productive player offensively, defensively, and as much as you like to make fun of it in the clubhouse. A guy that has not been good, a guy that has not been injured, is Dom Smith. A guy that last season was great. The end of 2019 was great. He's batting 240 with six home runs and 20-something RBIs. He has a under 700 OPS. It's pathetic how bad he's Honestly, been. I think the Mets dropped the ball a little bit with Don Smith on this one. I thought he was going to be a clear uh, guy you could trade in the offseason and get something for. Not, you know, let's trade him and, and get a couple prospects, but let's get a guy who can help us right now for Don Smith. I mean, his value was sky high. He's a 25-year-old he who just came off. And basically an MVP caliber season with this team. I mean, he. I'm looking at it right now. I've had 316, had a 993 OPS. I mean, he was fantastic in the shortened season last year. But there wasn't really a spot for him. I mean, his defense in left field is shady. And, it's actually been. And it, you're going to be it's surprised. Special. It's been good. He doesn't have no, the read. He doesn't good. have the speed. In no, left he doesn't. Field. But it's been good. Um, but he's a natural first baseman and. I know Alonzo's defense has been better, but he's always been a better defender than Alonzo at first base. So I don't think he really fit well into this team, and I think you could have gotten something for him. And maybe his defense has been better this year, but now he's struggling offensively. And like I said, I think his value was sky high last year, and you could have traded him for something that could have helped you. I mean, obviously I can't come up with a mock trade right now, but even if you want to take away from the tree, the possibility of them trading him, he just hasn't been producing. I mean, his offensive numbers have dipped drastically this year, and he hasn't been injured, like you said. He's played 70 games. He probably leads the team in games played, if I had to guess. Yeah. Him and Lindor. Lindor does, then him. Um, so, yeah, he, just, he, ha- he has not been good, obviously. 
Yeah, I was an advocate uh, for trading Dom. I would have done it. We we had talked about it in the past because yeah, his value was you know really high after last season and even after that 2019 season, he missed a lot of it. But when he played, he was very good. He had lost a lot of weight. He came back in shape. You know, wanted to do whatever he could to help the team. Right. They definitely could have traded him. I still think there's some value there. I really do. I think a team will definitely take a chance on him. Whether it's at first base, whether it's a um, an American League team yeah, that wants to DH. DH him, there's definitely some value there still, but it's not as high as it would have been. And he's still very young, twenty six years. Twenty six years old, yeah. Just I, turned twenty six. I don't think I think the the Mets love him. I mean, they really love him, so I don't think they'll trade him. But I would have considered it for well, sure. Now's not the time to do it. No. You know, your, his, his value isn't what it was. You but know, but you could. You, I still think there is. Um, I still think there's value there. So do I. If they wanted to, they could. I uh, think there's value for him to start producing for the Mets. He's got to start producing for the Mets. He was. He was a like you said. Like you said about Conforto, I thought he was the X factor. Right. I mean, Conforto struggling is tough because that's a guy you expected to be really good. Right. And the same thing with Jeff McNeil, although he's he just listen. And these guys just came back. Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto, they did just come back from injuries. So I want to give them a week. They haven't been back a week yet. Let's give them the week. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they have to start performing. They weren't really, you know, the guys that they usually have been before right. they got hurt. But, again, the offense has to step up because the pitching rotation has been so good. The bullpen's been so good. They're 5-9 and nine in their last 14 games. They're three games up in the division right now. Uh but Washington's closing in on them. Listen, this lineup isn't – it's not a poorly built lineup. I mean, you have guys who, who give you a variety of, of skills. Jeff McNeil is a guy who's going to get on base for you, you know, hit the ball around, bat in the 300s. Uh, Francisco Lindor is a switch hitter. He gives you versatility there. He's going to – you know, he could hit 35, 40 home runs in, in a great season. We've seen him do it before. And Pete Alonso, you have that big power hitter, that that feared hitter that uh, pitchers don't want to face. And then you have guys like Conforto and Dominic Smith that show you uh, that they can hit well as well. Dom Smith can hit for a high average, and Michael Conforto can hit to you know all fields and, and doubles, hit for power. singles, yeah, he can do whatever all. you need. Um, and then you have some speed. Lindor can steal some bags. Jonathan VR is a guy who, who who's got flexibility in terms of both. He's a switch hitter. He can play multiple positions. And he can steal bases. Um, so, it's not like this, this. all these players they have on offense, they, they built it well, I would say. This this roster was built almost perfectly. The roster really was built for success. Um, and, you, you know... They just need them be, to you perform. You can be good on paper, but you got to do it on the field. They need, so these, they, they need to perform. They exactly. need these guys to perform. And we have another question... From our guy, Kenny Galvin, he said, Do we think it's the Mets year or are there too many injuries to overcome? I still think that um, it's their division to lose. I think they're going to win the division. I think they're going to be a tough out in the playoff as lo- playoffs as long as their pitching rotation is healthy. But I do not feel as good as I felt about them two weeks ago after they, they were beaten down the Cubs. I would say... I don't think it's the Mets year. Do I think it's necessarily because of the injuries? No. I mean, that definitely has something to do with it. But I think first year under new ownership, maybe they don't have this roster exactly the way they want it to be. Um, I think if they do get – listen, it's a weak year in the division, but any team can get hot at any time like we're seeing with the Nationals right now. Uh, Like I said, I I think they're maybe a year away. I think the ownership and management still wants to change some things with this team. If they get in, they're a dangerous team in the playoffs. I mean, anytime you have the best pitcher in the league, you're you're dangerous and and a good good number two and number three. And who knows what's going to happen with Syndergaard and Carrasco if they can make any impact by that time. We we hope and we think that they will make some sort of impact. I don't think Syndergaard's going to make as much as an impact as you think. I think Carrasco he's been ramping up a lot of uh, baseball activities. He's going to be back by the end of July. I think next year is the year for the Mets. I think they they you have Lindor, you know, you have all your guys under contract. Michael Conforto is the only uh, big one, and Cinderella will be a free agent, but you're not missing him right now. Um, 
so well you are missing him right now you know but you, he's not making an impact for your team right now you don't even know he's there so i don't think it's their year do i think it's because of the injuries not necessarily but um yeah i think they're if they get in they are a dangerous team because they got jacob DeGrom. i think uh conforto not playing well could potentially open the door for another big move to be made, whether it's a free agent signing, whether it's a trade and then, you know, sign him kind of like you did with Lindor. But I think they were expecting to shell out a lot of money for, for uh, Michael Conforto when it came to free agency this year. And if he doesn't continue to play well, that money can be spent elsewhere and you can probably bring him back still. So we will see. That's enough for baseball. That's a long baseball segment. When we come back, we're going to do our list, and then we're going to briefly do some NBA playoffs. There are some big news like we teased before, but we'll be right back after this break. The S&D Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. Episode 19 of the Hardline Sports Talk. Michael Merlo, John Michael Masiri here with you. We are ready for our list, which is our top five favorite sports movies of all time. You want to start or do you want me to start? You go right ahead. I'll start. Number five, Rudy. All-time classic. It's my dad's all-time favorite movie. Wow, really? Yeah. You know, just the underdog story. It makes you want to cry at the end when he gets on the field, plays for Notre Dame for the first time. You know, doing what he did to get on the team. It's just, I don't want to be a movie critic here. Just Rudy is number five. It's one of the great movies of all time. It's a classic for sure. Um, I got a little mixture of, you know, happy and and uh, dramatic and sad or whatever you want to say. Sure. Let's start with uh, a little funny one. Number five, Adam Sandler classic, Happy Gilmore. Great movie. Probably my favorite Sandler movie. Um, never seen it. Wow. Are you kidding me? I've You've never, never seen Happy Gilmore? I've never seen We're it. We're watching it. Oh, yeah. I'll make you watch movie it. Movie date? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's an all-time classic. I mean, I could go over all over over all the quotes, uh, the price is wrong, bitch, you know, stuff like that. Hilarious movie, um, and one of the craziest golf shots, and it's inspired, you know, I, if you played golf before, you can't tell me you haven't tried that shot at least once. So, Happy Gilmore, number five. Number four, might get a little mad. Moneyball is my number four. Oh, uh, great movie about Billy Bean and the uh, the Athletics 2000 run and the way they built that team. Um, balling on a budget kind of a thing. Really good acting by Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill was in it too. Great movie. Very insightful on the game of baseball. Um, that is my number four. Alrighty. My number four is Rookie of the Year. So it's quick change rookie of the year you know the kid what's his name uh is that the one with the kid who played for the cubs yeah, yeah well, I, I forget I his name I movie in a while. he's the little eager that played for the cubs he had this great arm all of a sudden after he broke his arm it's a childish movie but it's really funny and right. it, you know it's emotional a little bit at the end but it's funny it's good if you like baseball it's a cute little movie number three i've got major league about the Indians and the owner. There's a few of them. I'm doing just Major League One with Charlie Sheen's in it. It's a great movie. It's funny as hell. Definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a, you know obviously about baseball. The Cleveland Indians, the owner, wants to sell the team and move them to Florida. So they make it. You know they basically try and make the team as bad as possible so they can move out. But they end up making the playoffs. So right. it's just it's very good. That is a good movie. My number three. The Blind Side, the story about Michael Orr, um, offensive tackle who played for the Baltimore Ravens, and I believe he played for a couple other teams. Real, uh, based on a true story, really emotional movie. Sandra Bullock, great act actress in that movie. Um, yeah, that, that movie was, I don't know, it had a big, I wouldn't say impact on me. I mean, it didn't inspire me to, you know become an offensive lineman but go, a, really, go adopt a kid right and have him play Re- a really line. good touching movie um that is my number three my number two 
I mean, absolute classic. If you didn't watch this as a kid, you got problems. I'm going the Sandlot is my number two. Um, people are, are Wendy Peppercorn for Halloween. You know, there, there's just a bunch of classicness about this movie. Um, that is my number two. Yeah, I didn't put Sandlot on the list. I love the Sandlot. It's a great movie. That's Not brutal. on the list. Number two for me, Rocky. See, I didn't put Rocky, but I if, you know, I didn't put Rocky because I didn't really want to say it was a sports movie, especially because it was, a, a you know, six movies of it, but that's a great movie. I mean, I it was one of my favorite movies ever, honestly. You can go Rocky 1. Which one? You can go Rocky. Let's I just like say Rocky 4. Rocky 4, Rocky is, my 4 is my favorite yeah. Rocky, too, but you can't put it, you can't put Rocky 4 on this list as number one, as right. number two, excuse me. So, I'll just say Rocky 1. No, Rocky 2 is better. Okay. I'll say Rocky 2 right here on this list, but Rocky 4 is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. Wait, so is Rocky 4 your 1? No. Rocky 2 is here on the list. That doesn't make any sense. I know it doesn't, but just hear me out. I can't put Rocky 4 on this list because it's... Like, if you go and watch Rocky, you're not starting with Rocky 4, obviously. You won't okay, know what the hell's going yeah, on. Right. You could put on Rocky 2 and say, oh, okay, I kind of understand right. what's going on okay. here. okay. Makes sense. I get what you're saying. But I would, yeah, Rocky Four. I mean, I love that comeback underdog stories in Russia. Yeah, Beef, Drago. Drago. Oh my god, I can. I get goosebumps every time. Anyway, number one, Moneyball. You said it. My all-time favorite movie. It's not exciting. It's not whatever. It just shows you in depth on how a baseball team is run. I absolutely love it. Brad Pitt was great in the movie. Jonah Hill was phenomenal in yeah, that movie. It was. It, you know, it was a little, you had you chuckling a little bit, but right. overall it was just Played so. like that quirky intern. Right. It was so entertaining. It was so insightful. I, I loved it so much. So Moneyball is my number one. My number one, I've probably watched this movie like seven times. It makes me crack up every single time I watch it still. I got Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky uh. Bobby. Will Ferrell might be the funniest man on this planet. Um, absolutely hysterical movie. Really funny storyline. I mean, you got his, his rival, the Frenchman, who broke his arm in the bar. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of comedy and NASCAR. I mean, how could I not love it? So, Talladega Nights about Ricky Bobby is my number one. Of course. So, here we go. A quick recap of our list. My number five was Rudy. Number four, Rookie of the Year. Number three, Major League. Number two, Rocky Two, And number one, Moneyball. Uh, I got Happy Gilmore 5, Moneyball 4, Blindside 3, Sandlot 2, Talladega Nights 1. So that is it for our list today. Let's get right into the NBA playoffs, though, as we had a game just end. Milwaukee Bucks at Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks take game 4, 110-88, without Trey Young, who is out with a deep bone bruise on his right foot. Another injury that Young has to deal with now. He is dealing with shoulder injuries and, you know, whatnot. He now deals with this injury. He missed game four. They still win, but Giannis Antetokounmpo only played 25 minutes. He left the game with a hyperextended left knee, and like we had said before, there are some people that believe he possibly tore his ACL. They're fearing the absolute worst, so hopefully he's okay because I feel like the story of this postseason has been injuries, injuries, Stars injuries. Stars are going down. And it's really upsetting to see because this was supposed to be an exciting postseason where the stars were kind of out of it. The big-time stars were kind of out of it. You still had a lot of stars playing, but, you know, the favorites and the guys that we didn't think that would still be there are there, but a lot of it's being dictated by who's injured and who's not, which is upsetting. Hopefully Giannis is okay, though, but for the Hawks, this is huge. You're right back in the series. It kind of feels like the Hawks are a better, uh, excuse me, the Bucks are a better team, more physical team, a better coach team, and a deeper team. And the Hawks are just so resilient. And I'm really surprised that they won this game tonight, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I mean, this this spells trouble for the Bucks if Giannis is out, obviously. Um, like you said, the, the Kawhi Leonard's gone down. Chris Paul went down with COVID. Uh, Giannis might be down now. Am I forgetting anybody major? Trey Young's been hurt a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kyrie was hurt. James Harden was hurt. You know, we've had. AD was hurt. LeBron was banged up. So, 
this is a series. I mean, we, we didn't expect this to be a Bucks stroll, uh, stroll in the park. I mean, the Hawks have earned the respect from around the league. But um, I still think this is the Bucks series to lose as long as Giannis is on the floor. Now they're going to go home for one game. Uh, you got to take that game. You don't want to be down 3-2 and then go into Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, res- like I said, respect to the Hawks. But Chris Middleton played his ass off in game – was that game three? Game three. Game three, played his ass off, scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was absolutely magnificent. But – um. I'm sorry, I really just don't have the patience to not bring up this Kendrick Perkins quote because I it, it just dumbfounded me. Kendrick Perkins is a clown. I mean, I think it's obvious. He's one of those guys that's on the, the an ESPN show where he just makes hot takes to, you know, get clicks and get a storyline going. He said that Giannis is Robin and Chris Middleton is Batman. Now, if, if anyone is not familiar with that saying... For some reason, um, basically saying Giannis is the sidekick to Chris Middleton. This is the guy Chris Middleton who also had a game where he shot six for twenty-three and ha- has had shaky games in the playoffs. And Giannis has been consistently putting up at least thirty points. And he's a guy who's won an MVP before in the NBA. I mean, he's this clear-cut star of this team. And it's just a lousy take. And I really don't understand how he can even back that up. This could be a good take. I'll tell you how. You tell me who's the Batman and who's the Robin in the last five minutes of a basketball game, and okay. you want to say it's Chris Middleton, fine. Listen. For 95% of the games, season, whatever you want to call it, Giannis is the guy, he's the star, he's the MVP, he's the defensive player of the year. He's the best player on the court. But when you need somebody to close out a game, it is Chris Middleton, it is not Giannis Antetokounmpo, and that's just because he doesn't have an outside shot. All right, and I think I, does. See, I know we. I also agreed with that, but I think that takes a little exaggerated because I saw Giannis uh, down the stretch in Game Three also making good shots, making contested uh, fadeaways, uh, obviously inside the arc, um, driving to the hoop, getting fouled, getting finishing lay uh, contested layup. So. Yeah, when you need, if you're down 100 to 97 and you need a guy to hit a three, Chris Middleton's the guy, but Giannis can make that explosive play for you and, and you know, steal the momentum. He, he's not, it's not like he's irrelevant where he's Ben Simmons and he's, he, he's useless on, in, in a half-court offense. Well, not a lot of guys are Ben Simmons. I thought something that was very impressive here tonight was the fact that the Atlanta Hawks, who had to play a different style of basketball because their whole offense basically runs through Trey Young. And they needed guys to step up. Kevin Horder played seventeen minutes, uh, 37 minutes. Lou Williams played 35 minutes. Bogdan, is it Bojan or this is Bojan Bogdanovich? Oh, the, the Hawks, no, yeah. it's Bogdan. Bogdan Bogdanovich played 34 minutes. I mean, they had guards step up. They were going to need it to happen, and they all played – very well. Quarter scored 15, 6, and 7. Williams 21, 5, and 8. And Bogdan 23, and 5. Unbelievable games from those guys. They had to step up and they had to get this win. It was a must win game. And they did it. And I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised they played the three of them who were going to have increased roles and increased minutes, stepped up and played this well. Yeah, they have a lot of guys coming off their bench that can get hot. And, you know, hit threes at the right times. And that's what happened tonight. I mean, we've seen Bogdanovich ever since that Knicks series. He's gotten hot at certain times. Uh, he's, you know, become a really good three-point shooter during the playoffs. I mean, he's always been. But, you know, like I said, he gets hot and he's knocking down threes. Lou Williams has always been a great six-man guy coming off the bench. He's got a couple six-man of the years on his uh, trophy shelf. But, um, yeah, this, like we said, this is going to be a series. The Hawks, let's see how they play now on the road. Is Trey Young going to be playing? Is Giannis going to be playing? We'll see what happens. But, like I said, I still think this is the Bucks series to lose. We have a question from our Instagram DMs from our friend Billy Piotti. He had said, what is your opinion on Giannis? Would you say he's currently the best player in the NBA to build a team around? Or is he just a you know, all-star caliber player. He went on to say, you know, can you put him in the same class as KD, Curry, LeBron? But how do you feel about him? 
I don't think he's the best player to build your team around. I think you can build a championship team around him. I think he is that good. Um, would I put him in that class with KD? Uh, not Maybe not KD, but yeah, I'd say he's a top five player in the NBA. Honestly, he's probably five, maybe six. Um... But yeah, I think the the slander with Giannis, with the fact that he's you know uh, he he can't perform well in the playoffs, I think that take is, is expired now. He showed he can perform well in the playoffs, and he's been very consistent. Like I said, he's been putting up thirty a night basically consistently. Uh, so yeah, I think you can build around him, and he's he's not just some all star caliber that caliber player that you can't build a championship team around. I, I don't think that's the case with him. I'm not a huge Giannis guy. A lot of you know. I don't know what the reason is. I just don't really like him. But I do have to say he's probably... He floats around 5 to 7 for me as the best players in the league. Would I build a team around him? I think the guys that you named... You named Durant. You named LeBron. You named Curry. You know, you named... If you named Luka or Kawhi, I'm, I'm taking those guys over. I'm taking Giannis. Giannis is a great player. I think the way that he plays defense as well adds to just how great he is. He's that dominant of a player. So, yeah, he's easily a top seven player in the league. Probably he might be higher. But I would not take KD over him. I don't know if I would take Curry over him. I wouldn't take Luka over him, and I wouldn't take Kawhi over him. You mean you would take Kawhi over him, and you would take Luka over him? Yes, is that what did I say? Yeah, wouldn't? you wouldn't, yeah. No, I would so take So you would take Curry, guys. Kawhi, Luka... KD. I take Kawhi. I would, yeah, I would take. Curry. I think I would take, I would take Anthony KD. Davis too. Luca. You're not as I high. Think, as... I think Luca is gonna be probably the face of the NBA at some point. Um, and obviously he's a phenomenal player right now, but I think Giannis. I, I'm I'm a big supporter of Giannis and believer in Giannis, and I think no, not uh Anthony Davis. No way. Give me give me. Uh, not Kawhi. Give me Giannis over AD all day. You're not as high as on uh, Luca as I am. I am high on Luca. Like I said, no, I think he's going to be. The, you're not there yet. With I me, think though. he's going to be the best player in the NBA at one point. I think next year, after next year, he's going to be the best player. Possibly. In the NBA. I think you put him in a little better of a situation, and he can thrive even more. Well, they're making a lot of changes over there in Dallas. Right. I'm sure. Chris, Christos Porzingis has been hitting strip clubs apparently in the playoffs. Really, he's really pissed off Luka Doncic. Yeah, that relationship is not good. But that's almost an immovable contract. Yeah. That's going to be rough. Let's move on here, though. I want to get to the Clippers and the Suns, who the Clippers, every time they take the court, impress me even more. They beat the Suns in game, what is this, five on Monday, 116-102 in Phoenix. Paul George, 41-13-6. I think it's safe to say that the Paul George pandemic P slander is now gone. Playoff P has officially stepped up. Without Kawhi Leonard, nobody knows what's vaccinated going on with Kawhi. P, that's what they're calling him now. Vaccinated P, I yeah, love it. Pandemic P's gone. Yeah, vaccinated P, let's go. 41-13-6, though. Huge game. Uh, what is this, Mark? Is this Marcus or Markeith? Uh, Marcus. Marcus Morris played phenomenal on Monday night. He's banged up, scored 22 for them, though. Reggie Jackson's been huge. Reggie Jackson's been very good. He scored 23. I mean, this team has been just so impressive without Kawhi. It's shocking that they're even in the series still. I'm still shocked that they were able to beat the Jazz without him. Yeah. But they're playing the Suns really tough. Uh, Chris Paul has not been the same guy since he came back. He's played a little better, but Game 3, Game 4, he looked a little rusty. And Game 5, he was better. But still, hasn't looked like the same Suns team since uh, the last... Last round. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's been very impressive the way the Clippers have been playing. And the Suns should close this series out. I mean, you can't blow a 3-1 lead. We've seen it happen before plenty of times. These NBA playoffs have been very exciting to me. Um, when the Lakers and the Nets went down, I was really excited because it was like, we're really seeing some new teams here and some refreshing faces. You know, no KD and no, uh, no LeBron in the finals or whatever. So, like I said, these NBA playoffs have been very exciting. The Clippers have definitely... Uh, I think we need to put some respect on Ty Lue's name. I oh think we thought God. when he was with the Cavaliers, we thought Ty Lue was just a puppet for LeBron and everything. But Ty Lue has proven he's a good coach. 10-2, and, and and, I think, and when I, facing elimination. Yeah, look what, look what he's been able to do. And what Doc Rivers, who's 
a lot of people consider to be a very well-respected coach. He's been able to take this team further than he could. I think Ty Lue has kind of cemented himself this postseason, and I will we'll talk about it when their run is over, whenever that is, whether they lose tomorrow night or whether they you know win the championship. Right. He will be considered a top five head coach, possibly higher in the league. That's how good he's been. A top five hiring or top five coach? top five head coach in the league. Wow. There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of dominant ones out there right now. When you think about yeah. it, yeah. I mean, you got Pop is obviously still yes. up there. Pop. Uh, Brad Stevens isn't even a coach anymore. He's not now. a coach anymore. Um, obviously, Quinn Snyder did a great job. Uh, Nate McMillan's done a fantastic job. I put. I take Lou over both of those Why guys. Why do I always forget the? Uh, Son's head coach's name. Monty Williams. Monty Williams. I take Monty Williams right up there, too. I put him in the top five. So I got Lou. I got... I don't want to do this now. Yeah. <laughs> top five head coach. Right. He's a top five. I don't five. think he's, I think he's, he's a top a, five head coach. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think he's but. a top five head coach as of right now okay. in the league. So, yeah, let's, let's see what happens with this series. It's going to be very interesting. Game... What is this? This is going to be game six in L.A., should be if they don't change it up on us. Should yeah. be, yeah. It's gonna be Wednesday night, nine o'clock. Should be very interesting. I'm very excited to watch how definitely this the momentum in the unfolds. Clippers' uh, favor right now. Come on, hundred percent. All right, let's get to our first ever Hardline Sports Talk voicemail. Now we've told you guys how these can be done. Just a quick reminder: you can send us an email of you making a voice recording. Uh, our email is hardlinesportstalk at gmail.com. You just send us an MP3 or an MP4A file, however your computer saves it. Very simple. You just talk into your computer or your phone for a voice memo and email it to us. So this comes from Joe Masiri. Uh, you know, I might know him. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, and his question is regarding the New York Knicks. Hey guys, big fan of the show. My question pertains to the New York Knicks. So, as we know, the Knicks could potentially be in on Damian Lillard this offseason. Uh, I've seen a lot of rumors floating around about them potentially trading R.J. Barrett in a package for Damian Lillard. Now, do you view this as a move that the Knicks should maybe make if uh, Barrett is the main piece, or do you think that Barrett should be off-limits in these trade talks? Thanks, guys. Yeah, this is a uh, popular name floating around. A lot of teams are getting ready to prepare packages, I think, for Damian Lillard. Nobody knows whether or not he wants to leave or not. That's not been confirmed or denied. But they did just sign Chauncey Billups to be the head coach. So this, this I don't know if he's unhappy, but this could get this could get very interesting. Right. Thanks, Joe, for the question again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Damian Lillard's been a guy who is trying to prove to people he wants to win it the old school way, you know, build it from within the organization's loyalty, stick with the organization. Um, and that's great, but in my opinion, he should get out of town. Pertaining to the question, I think the Knicks, listen, R.J. Barrett I think is going to be a great player. He had a great sophomore season, and I think there's more to come. I mean, he's obviously improved his shooting. He was a 40% from the field guy, uh, from three-point range guy this season. But... Damian Lillard is a great freaking player, and they, they need a, an elite scorer like that. So I, th I think I would pull the trigger with trading R.J. Barrett for Damian Lillard. Do I necessarily think that's the right move? I'm not sure because um, I don't know if you need to make an aggressive move like that where you jeopard you know, you, you trade away a future all-star um, because I don't think the Knicks are in that window yet. You know, they're still developing. There's not, it's not like the clock is ticking with this team. I think that they can take their time with this. So am I contradicting myself a little here? Maybe. So, um, while I'm saying, I think their championship window isn't necessarily like, oh, it's gotta be next year or, or they're, they're going to collapse as a team. No, I don't think that's the case, but if you want to go out there and get a stud superstar player and Damian Lillard I think you could go for it and I think it would suck to lose RJ but for a player like Damian Lillard who's definitely got a you know a good amount of years left in him I, I'd pull the trigger if you're a general manager or just a, uh, an owner or somebody that runs any sports team if you think that there is a championship window you should be fired right. there is never a window it's 
whenever I can go and try and win. Right. If there is a really good player available, guess what? You go out and you do what you can to, unless you're in a complete rebuild. Right. Right. Unless you're in a complete rebuild. Otherwise, if you have the pieces, you go out and you make the move. The Knicks have the resources. It looks like they have the head coach. They have draft picks. Yeah. They have young players. They have a lot of assets. I've seen this. I saw this mock trade before. You're probably not going to like I it. I saw that. It was crazy. RJ Barrett, OB Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, a 2021 first round pick, a 2023 first round pick, and a 2022 pick swap, and a 2024 pick swap. Guess what? Sign off on it. Get it done. Really? If you if you can oh, guarantee crazy, me, man. Damian Lillard. I do it. You pair him with Julius Randle. You take the pressure off of Randle. You'll build a good team around them. You'll get role players. You'll get guys. You, you'll still have money. Oh, yeah. It's not like you you're, you didn't sign Randle yet. You'll right. still have money to go out and get a possible, not Alonzo Ball, not Lonzo Ball, but Alonzo Ball type player. Right. You'll be able to make other moves to improve this team. I think you do it. I, I think Damian Lillard, if he is available and he requests a trade or whatever it is, mm-hmm. The Knicks should jump on it 100. percent Kevin Knox and give up whatever. Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, and Theo Pinson take it or leave it. Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe five years ago. <laughs> Anything else to get to today? Herman Marquez of the Rockies took a no hitter yeah, into the he ninth. Lost it. No, I think that's it. Um, maybe next time we're recording, Shohei Otani might have 32 home runs. Uh, Kyle Schwarber might have 40. We Who didn't talk about him. Happen? We'll talk about Shohei next time. He's just we absolutely will. unbelievable. We, we had a lot of Mets and Yankees to deal. We had it in our notes. He's just the best player in baseball. He is. It's, and he's the MVP. Right? I mean, the guy's got like a freaking six war right now. He's, he's incredible. unbelievable. So, yeah, that's going to do it for episode 19 of the Hardline Sports Talk. Please send us emails, send us voicemails for next next episode, which will be recorded Thursday night. Have a good night, everybody.